how seriously is the administration considering a ban on um, U.S. petroleum products? So um, everything is on the table. We are now entering the home stretch ahead of the midterm elections. For months, political analysts have said a red wave is coming. A referendum on inflation, illegal immigration, indoctrination. How are Democrats mitigating that red wave? It's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. You and I have a rendezvous with death. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. I'm Michael Duncan. With me, Josh Holmes. No? Nope. No. No nope. Josh? No Josh. <laughs> uh, no Josh again. He's still out there helping make the red wave happen. But we do have Smug and we have Ashbrook here in studio. How about how about uh, Karine Jean-Pierre? Yeah, no, she's Karine. Tell us, should we get rid of American <laughs> petroleum? Yes, everything's on the table. I mean, we were discussing this before we hit record, and all of us were just like stunned that she was like, "Yeah, all options are on the table. We could just, you know, go back to the Stone Age, turn off all the power in this country, cripple the economy, and make everyone suffer." Sounds I mean, like a great plan. I know they hate American energy, but part of me wonders maybe she didn't hear the question correctly. No, dude, you always there's a you always try to try to help out the like the damn operatives and the journos. She 100 percent heard it in her heart. She wants to bring on this kind of like communist bullshit crippling America. there's a reason there's this a, this administration has been bent to do only that there's a reason why they give her a big binder because they'd like her to stay, stick to the script when she just sort of expounds i i think it ends up poorly for her but the thing is is that like from from everything we've seen of this administration from their priorities from the first thing joe biden does is he's like keystone xl gone we got to cripple this country it's been very clear their objective is to completely cripple domestic energy Well, production. and to your point, it seems like the only American energy they're interested in using is our strategic reserve. Pretty much, yeah. That's there for cases of national emergency. And I would call these gas prices a national emergency, but I'm just wondering if there's another way to produce energy here in America besides using what we might need in a in a time of global war. Well, I mean, I mean we can get into it right now. Like, the whole, whole emergency that this administration says about the strategic reserve is the midterm. That's their emergency. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, we got a midterm coming. Uh, well, so we got a big show here today. We got Tudor Dixon running for governor in the great state of Michigan. Great guest. Against Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, and also today's episode is sponsored by the Freedom Foundation. I have a uh, great interview um, here later in the show. The Freedom Foundation is a national 501c3 nonprofit. They're focused on battling government unions. Mm. You love to see that. Yeah, that's good, honestly good the best cost possible. Yeah, in, in, in particular, you know, after the Janus versus AFSCME Supreme Court ruling back in 2018, um, you know, there were a lot of public sector employees who don't realize, like, you know, they have an option. They don't have to be forced into into their union to pay these dues that invariably end up in the political campaigns of Democrats that's across all the country. The per- that's all union dues are used for. It's unreal. Yeah. So... Um, we'll talk about that later in the show, but before we get to to all that, uh, let's go read some five stars. No, oh, it's been yeah, a while. Let's do it. Um, Ashbrook, do you want this first one? Sure. This one's from ICG 2013, titled "What More Could You Want Out of a Podcast?" It's a question we ask ourselves often here at the Variety Program. ICG 2013 writes: I started listening to these gentlemen after seeing them on the Megyn Kelly show. They are the total package. Smart, funny, deliciously opinionated, and dare I say, funny again? As a common-sensed Washingtonian living in a world of liberalism, it's refreshing 
to listen to the Ruthless Guys every Tuesday and Thursday. Keep fighting the good fight, fellas. Awesome. That's Thank like you, an ICG. awesome review. Thank you. That is fantastic. Common Sense Washingtonian. I love it. Yeah. Um, there are friends among us. Yeah, it may not, not seem like it, but there are. A uh, a, a nice five-star review here from Cindy Word Bird. Laughing instead of crying. Y'all crack me up when you're laughing at the ridiculous ridiculousness and hypocrisy. You got to laugh. You got to laugh. Or if you don't laugh, you will cry. Uh, Smug, you want to take this third one? Absolutely. So this is from MT Fiend 14 title is totally underrated first listen to the program on a thanksgiving episode we get a lot of those we do mm-hmm. and i mean Popular. folks it'll be back this year this will be like the third annual thanksgiving episode that tends to be like one of the best of the year somehow we pre- we pre-game pretty hard yeah, for that we episode do. we tailgate for the thanksgiving <laughs> episode uh first listen to the program on a thanksgiving episode and it quickly became a staple in my rotation Tons of fascinating political insight on how campaigns and government work from the fellows wrapped up in the humorous package of jokes and games, which we need more of. Duncan, please. Okay. We need okay. more games. Okay. Press the game button, yeah. Duncan. <laughs> kind of like the lint truffle of podcasts. Now, that is the best description of us really ever. Nice. Really uh, Rich insight enclosed in sweet humor with guests giving each episode its own flavor. My only complaint, I'd listen five days a week if I could. We would love to do Let's it do five it. days a week. Yeah, I would love to. 100% let's do it. Yeah. Start yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> we'll, t- we'll talk about it. <laughs> See if we can make it through the next 18 days. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, still, we're still this side of the grass. There's an important ombudsman report here. Yeah. Thank you, McDaniel, for actually holding think, me to account on this one. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday's episode of the Variety Program, Comfortably Smug encouraged Minions to try Crystal. With a K, best hot sauce. It's delicious. The Ruthless team has found that the hot sauce in question is crystal with a C. We don't have any corrections about the taste of said hot sauce. I mean, that's 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 actual fact checking. Yeah, you were that's thinking, how it should be done. You were thinking of crystal with yeah, a K. Yeah, there's like but, a burger joint yeah. that's got a K, and somehow my mind thought that. But folks, crystal with a C. It's it's a Louisiana hot sauce, absolutely delicious. I mean, like you can throw that on anything. It's fan, it's fantastic. So good. If, and if you have any Creole food, shout out to Yats in Indianapolis. Really fantastic chili cheese etouffee, crystals great on that. Oh. One of the great things about listeners of the Variety Program is they are on it. Yeah. If you make a mistake, they will let yeah, you we hear got, about we, it. We got the a tweet second that, they, that Ashbrook got tagged in. He was yeah, like, we, "Why did you not hold?" Come to this <laughs> like, wow. So here, here I am, smug. Hold How dare you? That's right. We actually do true fact-checking journalism here. That's, unlike that's unlike right. our competitors in the liberal media. Uh, so here, uh, the big news. Yes. Um, you know, inflation is obviously driving a lot of, of the interest in the midterms amongst voters. Um, you can see why here. And this is from Axios. Americans are buying less at the supermarket. Mm. Change in price of select food items. All food at home is up 13%. Cereals and bakery products up 16, dairy products 15.9, non-alcoholic beverages 12.9. Well, that's good news for all of us. Hopefully (laughs) alcohol is not that high. Uh, Fruit and vegetables up 10.4, meat, poultry, fish, and eggs up 9%. Yikes. I mean, every time I, I grocery shop, it's a nightmare because it's more expensive than the previous time and mm-hmm. I'm getting the same things. I'm getting eggs and chicken breast mm-hmm. and every time it costs more for the same thing. And then I think what's important also to do and I think what this was this chart from Axios does a good job of putting into perspective is think about a year ago because 
I know for so many Americans right now, like the only thing you can think about is just one to two steps ahead. You know, things have gotten really tough in this country. But what's important to put into perspective is what was it like a year ago, two years ago, three years ago? Things are not on the right track in this country. And I think the more and more Americans take a look at has your life improved? Because that's basically what the midterm election is a question about. Are things going better for you? I think across the board, it's pretty universal that for Americans, things are not better than they were two years ago. The Axios story here shows that we're sort of at an inflection point. Um, more from the article here. We're at a turning point when it comes to food shopping. For a while, inflation was mainly changing what types mm. of of items consumers bought, more generics or diff- different cuts of meat. I remember I did that with, with, with a lot of meat because that's sort of the first thing you notice where the price was sort of jumping. Yeah, I mean, like chicken thighs are the new yeah. chicken wings. Um, but to that point, we had lunch at Subway today and the sandwiches were like five or six bucks just a couple months ago and now it's eight bucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, more from the article. Now Americans are starting to simply buy less. Um, nearly a quarter of those surveyed by Morning Consult in September said they're often buying fewer items at the grocery store in order to save money, up from 15% in October of 2021. So that's a 10-point increase in a year of people who are just straight up buying less food to eat. Which is a horrific thing to think about in America. Yeah. This is America. Oh, Yikes. Um, well, we actually have some good news. Possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, good, <laughs> yeah. good, good fake news yeah. uh, from the liberal media here. Washington Post says you can keep more money from the IRS next year thanks to inflation. <laughs> and the New York Times says inflation adjustments mean lower tax rates for some in 2023. So can I just stop you right here? Um, I read that story when I came across the transom last night, right when I walked in the door to my house. Um And the first thing that came to my mind was there are a handful of people at the IRS who I'm sure pushed this story to the uh, in-town newspapers with the thought that, you know what, maybe this improves our image just a skosh. (laughs) I got news for them. There is no way to improve the image of the IRS. Right. And a story that suggests that maybe inflation isn't so bad because the IRS is coming to save you. That's not going to stop Republicans from trying to get rid of these 87,000 new agents that Democrats gave us as a part of the inflation. And I mean, the basis of this story is essentially that, hey, congratulations, Americans. Inflation is so bad that numbers have gone up. Right. You know, like they're having to move tax brackets when the government is like, because those bastards want to rob all of us. Yeah. Right. When they're trying to move the goalposts a little bit. Congratulations. You know, they're like, oh, shit. Congratulations. You can keep more of your money. That's worth less. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't even completely uh, attribute the rising costs. Like when we went through this previous chart and it's like dairy products cost 16 percent more. You know, yeah. you're buying milk so your kids can have some food. Well, 16 percent more. If you're a, not keeping 16 percent more here's, of your money. Here's a question I have for you. If a Republican were in charge of the White House at this moment and inflation were through the roof. Do you think any of these publications would be writing stories about how it maybe isn't as bad as you think? No. No, No. not at all. No, no, there'd be a live ticker on CNN with the real-time calculation of inflation and how it was impacting you and, you know, consumer price index and all that stuff. My guess would be that the, the liberal media, given given what we've seen from the previous, you know, with the last time we had a Republican president, the media would be pushing stories about how, like, wow, the president's family's corrupt. 
you're probably doing drugs. And here we are. And it's like, well, <laughs> that's actually the truth now. And you're not seeing those stories. <laughs> uh, uh, well, so Biden's trying to improve his image, not just the IRS trying to improve theirs. Uh, Biden is releasing uh, more from the strategic oil reserve. Did you guys see this in Bloomberg? Yeah. Yep. Um, from the article, the Biden administration plans to release 15 million barrels from the U.S. emergency reserves and may consider significantly more this winter in an effort to ease high gasoline prices that have become a liability for Democrats in the next month's midterm. Credit to Bloomberg for, for finding cause and effect. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's one reason they are doing this. And there's, like, you look at all of the policies that, like, the, the Biden administration is trying to talk about right now. The Democrat messaging, number one, is completely off kilter compared to what voters actually care about. Number two, the reason for any of these moves is strictly because they think it will help them in the election. Mm-hmm. Releasing America's emergency, emergency reserves. This is supposed to be like an emergency for Americans, not an emergency for the political party. Like a na- like a national security yeah, emergency. Yeah. It's like, right? oh my gosh, like the power grade in the country, we're at war. I have a Time great to release way, some strategic oil. I have a great way to make sure we always have lots of strategic oil reserves. I, maybe we should drill in the United States of America. Hey, that's a crazy you're idea. <laughs> you're, you're kidding. And also, like, it's very important to note whenever they the, the Biden administration does this, like, quote, strategic release of of emergency like our oil surplus that we are holding on to the top buyer is china right there's nothing china thinks is funnier and stupider than the american government handing over our oil that's an emergency reserve to them right on top of formulating policy that's based upon buying solar panels from china like they really cannot believe their luck that we have this moron in charge and a party that controls the Senate and the House that's like, you know what, crippling our country and just like helping China every possible way is a good idea. Like they're laughing at us. They're laughing at us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now I think it's a good time to get to our interview with Jason Dudash from the Freedom Foundation. Let's hit it. I want to welcome to the program Jason Dudash. How are you? I'm very good, Duncan. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, I hear you're a listener to the show. That's fantastic. Long time, day one. Happy to be here. <laughs> you were telling me before we uh, before we press record, you you've been listening long enough to know about all of Smug's COVID variants from the catacombs of Egypt, my friend. <laughs> I've been around. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, so you're with the Freedom Foundation. Um, you know, you guys are a 501c3, um, you know, that does just a ton of work. You've got uh, staff attorneys, 12 of them, um, you know, who are, are are fighting in litigation constantly, you know, battling with government unions. Um, can you sort of give the background of where things are today for our listeners in this fight? Yeah, so uh, government unions, as I'm sure you know, and, and many of your listeners probably do as well, are the number one contributors to far left politicians and groups in the country. Um, It's because of this that the Supreme Court said in 2018 that the idea that I can take money out of your paycheck and use it to advance political causes that you don't agree with um, is actually a direct violation of your First Amendment rights. 
And the Supreme Court affirmed um, people's constitutional right to no longer be a part of government unions and, and gave them right to work protections. Um, so now everybody has the opportunity, every public employee can fully opt out of government unions and keep their own money in their paycheck. Um, that decision was in 2018. The issue, Duncan, is that you know most people aren't sitting on the edge of their seat for every Supreme Court issue, uh, especially not when it relates to labor law. And uh, so really that didn't make as much of a, of a storm as people were expecting because you know the state can't tell people about their options. They have to remain impartial. And the union sure as hell isn't gonna tell people they have the option not to pay. Um, so it really took a group like ours to lead a gra- grassroots effort uh, across the country where we have canvassers that speak to public employees at their homes and offices. We do a uh, mail program, email, texting, billboards, uh, everything you can think of. This is essentially a, a full-scale political campaign that runs every day, every year to make sure that public employees are informed of their rights regarding union membership and just exactly what the union's doing with their money. Um, and when they find out, they leave. That's fantastic. And you know what? It couldn't come at a more important time. You know, you look at places like Las Vegas where, um, you know, liberals are very concerned that Harry Reid's political machine has got a lot of rust. And, you know, you know, the real, um, you know, work of that machine is done by a lot of the unions in in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just the idea that that there's people on the right out there fighting um, you know, against some of this this organizing on the left that happens through these government unions is fantastic. So you were you were talking about the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, for our listeners who may have heard about it before, this is Janus versus AFSME, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, so when you're when you're talking to people about uh, you know, government unions, these these members, when you're doing this education process. You're not talking about Janus, right? You're talking about what the union is is doing uh, with with the money that mm-hmm. they're that they're expropriating from people's paychecks. How does that go over exactly? What are what are sort of the numbers that people should be familiar with when they're talking to people? Yeah, so it really is uh, number one. Um, government unions are are so involved in politics and over 98% of political contributions by government unions go to Democrats, right? So if the union's gonna argue that, you know, our members deserve a voice in the political realm, like we're out here representing their interests, 98% of public employees are not Democrats. You know, the, vo- the voter makeup of public employees is often the typical of, of the regular population where you have about a third Republican, a third Democrat, and a third independent. Um, so why is all of the money being sent to one side? It's because the union's not actually advancing the interests of the public employees, but rather their own political agenda. Uh, you know, actually, Duncan, let's, let's play a game uh, really quickly. It's, uh, one I've thought of uh, just now, the the name's going to be really unique of, um, can you guess uh, how much money of the NEA uh, that they collect is spent on anything remotely connected to teachers and representation? <laughs> All right. The, the NEA in 2021 collected $377 million from teachers across the country. Uh, do you want to take a stab at how much of that? can be tied back to teachers, the classroom representation at all. $377 million. First of all, the number is just insane. Um, 
Okay, well, you know, we love games here on the Ruthless Variety program, so, um, 377, 20%, 70 million, 70 million. You are way too generous, my friend. The answer is 32 million, eight and a half percent. Eight and, and a half. Know, when over half of their budget is spent on uh, political lobbying and, and donations to candidates and radical left nonprofits. Um, you know, and when you take that to a teacher, when you take that to a teacher in a state like Oregon, where I'm from, who has been struggling with overcrowded classrooms, with out-of-date textbooks, um, for decades, these issues have persisted, and you're looking at an organization that's supposed to represent their interests, has more money than God, and for some reason, none of that is getting back to the teachers, to the issues that they're actually faced with day in and day out, and that's a real problem. And you know, you talk about right now when inflation so high, when the prices of everything are going up, you know the issues, you guys talk about this on the program of every day. Um, people are thinking, you know, if I'm a teacher, I pay about $1,200 a year in union dues. That's real money that I probably know how to spend a little bit better than Randy Weingarten when she's out in Ukraine. Right, 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 right. And it would, you know, getting that money back would offset the inflation that's already killing you for just from the last year, you know? I mean, so, you know, you've, you've touched on the school issue, which of course I think is just huge, especially coming out of COVID. Um, you know, what do you hear from teachers about the struggles in getting back into the classroom and, you know, friction that they've had with the union leadership in that process? Mm-hmm. Again, a, a lot of it is that they're out of touch, yeah. um, that they don't actually understand. You know, it, it, these unions today, they, they rely, I would say, a especially the teachers union on a lot of, of misinformation and fear um, to keep their membership, you know, that they're, they exist to protect their members from some sort of uh, imaginary dragon, you know, that if they opt out, the ceiling's just going to fall in on them and everything is going to collapse. And that's just not true. And, you know, especially today, uh, a few years out of Janice, teachers have so many other options. Uh, you know, one very legitimate concern that teachers have about leaving the NEA is that the NEA offers a liability insurance policy, and that is considered a member-only benefit. Everything else, uh, your benefits, your pay, all of that is provided by the contract, which is provided by the school district. It does not rely on your union membership status. Uh, That million-dollar liability insurance policy does. And, you know, that's a real concern for people. But thankfully, because of the free market, uh, there are several other teachers associations. Uh, One out here in Oregon is the Northwest Professional Educators Association. Uh, They offer a $2 million liability insurance policy and a bunch of other great benefits, all the great things to do with the union. And their dues are $16.50 a month instead of $120. Hmm. Uh, Because get this, they're actually focused on what the teachers needed want and not all this extra political BS. They're not paying people like Randy Weingarten $500,000 a year uh, to travel around and and do whatever she does. They're focused on the teachers. And so once people find out all that information, they can be a little bit more comfortable. But obviously, that's the information that the teachers union don't want them to find out about. So uh, switching gears here uh, for a second, um, you know, you guys are actively litigating uh, a bunch of forgery cases on the West Coast. Oh, yeah. Uh, can you explain to our listeners what that's all about? 
Yeah, so uh, unions on the West Coast, the Freedom Foundation was started on the West Coast. Um, and we kind of had a, a test pilot of this idea, really in, in the bastion of the beast, right right here in the belly, where, where it's been a, a union safe haven for decades. Uh, since Janice, um, I'll, I'll speak here in Oregon, uh, our largest state union, SEIU 503, we've helped over 40% of their members leave wow. um, since 2018. Uh, their budgets are decimated, um, and, and we've seen a decline in their political spending as well. Um, so I think they've been kind of backed into a corner. And uh, what we found is uh, we have people, people calling our office saying, you know, I, I never signed up for union membership, and all of a sudden they're, they're taking dues out of my check. Um, so our attorneys sent demand letters, um, and what we've found in a few cases, um, I'll speak to one that was just ruled on, um, Zelensky, not only was his personal information on the authorization form incorrect, um, but his signature was, was clearly forged, not even close. Wow. And when, when we responded back to them um, asking questions, in that case, they actually sent a second authorization form with another forged signature. So in one case, we have two instances of forgery. Incredible. Uh, the Freedom Foundation, we have, we have five cases of that here in Oregon. Uh, we have over a dozen on the West Coast between Washington, Oregon, and California. Um, last week, the, the Ninth Circuit, uh, the Ninth Circus, I should say, Court of Appeals, um, it came down with a couple of awful decisions where they essentially said, uh, yes, these cards are formed, um, but how convenient, uh, we will not hold uh, either the state or the union accountable. And so, you know, when you're looking at, at the lay of the land here, if you've lost 40% of your membership, what's a really fast way to get back up to 100? You know, just, just sign everybody back up because the courts here <laughs> have said that they won't hold anybody accountable. Uh, but these are cases we're going to be taking to the United States Supreme Court uh, where we expect that they'll be very sympathetic. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, you know, people are obviously familiar with uh, you know the NEA and, and and teachers unions, and you know some of the you know worst worst offenders of the government unions when it comes to stuff like political spending. But what do people not know about you know these government unions? You know, outside of the political spending and how they impact our politics. Yeah, what I would say is that they're they're just a farce. Uh, you know, the unions today, Duncan, they're not this is not 1890 anymore, right? We're not out here protecting workers from the hazards of coal mines. Right. Uh, there's nothing really that these unions exist to do. Government unions today, specifically government unions, exist for one purpose, and that is as a political slush fund for the left. Um, they, I'd argue, in their politics, don't even care about the working men anymore. We've seen this. You know, the party that they're supporting now is the party of the wealthy and the elite. And, and they're leaving behind all these people um, who have been dramatically affected by, by the COVID shutdowns, by the same policies that the unions are promoting. Uh, public employees to them are nothing but a paycheck. And, and they need to recognize that. You know, any of the listeners here to the program that are public employees need, need to really take stock and, and think of, is, am I benefiting? from my membership with this union, or are they taking advantage of me? Um, and I'm gonna argue that it's gonna be the latter, that they only care about the public employees when it serves their political purpose, and all, all they are to them are, are a, a steady paycheck. Well, and then you look at what these, uh, you know, these uh, government union, um, you know, contracts with the states are, are doing to 
liabilities, especially at the West Coast. I don't have to tell you. You look yep. at a place like California and the unfunded pension liabilities of the public sector yep. unions in California. Um, you know, can you speak to a little bit more more on that? It's going to be the death of all of these states. Uh, it's totally insustainable. Uh, you know, every year when we get into legislative session out here, that's that's a big debate. Is uh, this cannot continue at the rate that it is? Um, and you have the unions that are arguing for more. And when you talk about uh, public service, right? These are folks that are supposed to be working for the public um, at the detriment of the public. You know, our services are not going to be uh, increasing every year the way, the, uh, at the same rate that the retirement funds are. Right. And it, it's just totally unsustainable. And that's, that's well, becoming seems, a big, big fight in the. It, it seems like ahead. it seems like to me that you know these public sector union, uh, you know, pensions are in this sort of like economic death spiral and the only thing yep. the only thing that's sustaining it isn't you know a a way to bend out of that curve but the political spending of the unions that keeps electing the politicians who say oh you know we'll kick the can down the road exactly that's exactly correct because it, we call this essentially the cycle of corruption right where uh, back to the basics the unions exist and they they take money they siphon money out of public employees paychecks then put into politics into candidates who will agree to go into office to do two things, which is raise taxes and grow government. Because when those two things happen, right, you get to hire more public employees, which means the union gets to take more dues, which is more money to kick into politics, which is exactly how you get into this death spiral that you were just speaking to. Wow. Well, you know, I'm glad that, Jason, you're out there fighting with the Freedom Foundation to change all of that. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Of course. And, you know, your listeners that want to find out more can come to freedomfoundation.com. And as you said at the beginning, I'm a big listener of the program, and we also have a few donors that are big listeners to the program. So any of the listeners that want to go make a 501c3 tax-deductible donation at freedomfoundation.com, their donation will be doubled. It's going to be matched um, if they go on the website and just put in ruthless in the comments. Nice. Awesome. Yes, do that. Reduce your tax liability, too, along the way. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Jason. Boy, it really is a good cause. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, they're laser focused on this, and they've had a lot of success out west. In particular, what I thought was really interesting was the litigation about the fraud that's been going on with Mm. these these government unions, Mm -hmm. where they're just signing, you know, union cards for people. Just taking their information and signing union union cards, opting them in to pay the dues and all of that sort of stuff. It's so, horrific. Yeah. Well, you you won't hear that uh, news about that fraud on CNN. No, You'll no, only no, hear no, about it not. here on the Variety program. That's right. That's right. Uh, let's get to some polling news. Oh, we love to see the polling yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, it's great. Uh, New York State. Did you guys see this? I did. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible. Um, this is the governor's race. Um, the Q poll showed that Hockule, Hockule, am I saying that yeah, right? Yeah, Kathy Hockule. Hockule with a razor thin 50% to 46% over Lee Zeldin, the Republican. I mean, it would be a historic, historic upset for Lee Zeldin to win a statewide race in New York. We spend a lot of time talking about how the media in California praises one party mm-hmm. and they have one party rule in the state yep. and the state has gone to shit yeah new york is another state with that exact same setup but right and then the record of covid i mean just 
horrible what it's, they it's did. Heartbreaking what has happened to New York State as a result of Democrats. This is on Cuomo and it's on Hockill. The way that they have essentially tried to destroy every small business in that state. And what they've also done at the same time is enabled crime to go off the charts. Like the, the Dems in New York State uh, gave a blanket pardon to all the rioters of the summer of, of, the summer of uh, 2020. Jeez. They have a blanket pardon. So essentially they legalized crime. And you see this every single day, whether you're upstate, whether you're in New York City, anywhere you are in the state of New York, crime is beyond an issue. It's a way of life now for a lot of New Yorkers. You're telling me Manhattan isn't safe. Democrats are saying that, that it's not as yeah, bad as you, yeah. you see. I mean, and that's the other thing is for them to, I mean, a public servant, someone who serves as, as an official, as an elected official, your purpose is to serve the public. And for them to try to be like, lying about this in the sense of don't believe don't believe your lying eyes yes sure you got mugged on the subway yes sure murder robbery theft rape is skyrocketing in the state but don't believe that like a lot of people in the state not just the city and 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 the city to me is the most shocking part is you talk to anybody who lives in new york city any of the Mm -hmm. boroughs and every single person whether they're like a far left democrat whether they're a conservative Republican, they will tell you that, like, yes, it's very clear that crime is a problem. Yeah, you know what? It, not just the governor's race here. Obviously, it'd be incredible if Lee Zeldin was able to he pull should, off and he's a, a huge, great person. Speaking of yeah. crime, there have been two attempts on Lee Zeldin's that's life. That's the thing. Right, that's right. the thing. Well, this guy's trying to run for office multiple attempts on his life. But, you know, but the governor's race is only part of the story here. We've got five, five. Five congressional races in New York State mm-hmm. that are currently toss-ups in the real clear politics average. You've mm-hmm. got New York 3, New York 4, New York 17, New York 18, New York 19. Mm. If Lee Zeldin, you know, is down four points statewide in New York, guys, we're winning all of those. He's lifting them. We're winning all so of let those. Me, let, me, let me just let me throw out a take. Smug, you're not going to like it. Duncan, you might not like it either. But let me throw out a take here. This is based on conversations I've had with friends in New York, friends who are Democrats in the state. And they're like, honestly, the left has us over a barrel. Mm -hmm. And the only way for us to get some strength back in the middle is for Republicans to sweep us out of power. Well, not only because with, they need a demonstration project for these lunatics. I can't who believe don't you have found any a life rational experience. Democrat in New York. That's like they, they <laughs> need a dem- they need a demonstration project for these lunatics who have zero life experience yet rule yeah. these slack channels. And like you know, I, I think that's the thing is like there has to be like we're going to see. This is this is my theory. I've been trying to formulate. We're going to start to see a rebirth of the kind of like Reagan Democrats, right? Because there is a significant number of folks out there across the country who are rational individuals and Mm -hmm. they may have voted Democrat their entire life, but this is no longer the Democrat party they in any way signed up for. It's gotten really ridiculous, way out of control, especially when you're seeing like crime is such a significant issue that the Democrats are essentially running on, well, let's defund the police, chaos is okay. You know, because that is really the message they've given that's been heard and that's existing on the streets of New York City right now. Like, day after day, you see these horrific videos of people being assaulted, being robbed, while just going about their day. And this is in broad daylight. This is in broad daylight 
in New York City. Yeah. You know? And and I think what Duncan says is a great point that like Lee Zeldin doing so well, it's kind of like a rising, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. Right. I remember in 2010, you know, here's here's a fun little factoid I'm old enough to remember. Uh, when we had that huge Republican sweep, you know what state in this country sent the most new Republicans to Congress? Was it New York? It was New York State. How about that? It was New York State. In the beauty of New York and where they fit in the time zone um, organization of this country is we'll know very early on Tuesday night. Yeah. If well, there's a sweep happening around the country, we'll see it first in New York. N- not only not only would we see the sweep, we we might see Sean Patrick Maloney, who's the chair That's of the, the DCCC, lose in New York. He's one of these toss-ups yep. in New York that could lose. He could be out of a job yeah, by the time polls close. Yeah, listeners <laughs> in New York, Mike Lawler, who's a personal friend and a wonderful person, is running against Sean Patrick Maloney, who's who's actually a horrible person. Yes. He's like stabbed in the back everybody he can to try and <laughs> hold on to power. Um Lawler, Lawler dude, I think Lawler's going to win that. That would be incredible. Lawler's going to win would, that. It, but it, also, shot heard Bobby Thompson. Honestly, shot heard around the world. I love Sean Patrick Maloney right now because now the Lib Super PACs are having to spend money in yes. his district, mm-hmm. and he's the chair. One of the reasons why, well, one of his selling points, he said when he ran for chair for the DCCC was no one's going to have to spend money in my race, not like Sherry Bustos, like you guys had to do for her in Illinois. Lo and behold, here, here we, we go. go. Oh, the red wave, it feels so good. But this isn't the only polling news. We have great stuff here out of Arizona. Love this. Do you guys see this? Carrie Lake in the lead in Arizona governor's race. Masters trails Kelly in the Senate race by just one point. Oh, my God. It's happening, folks. Yeah, it's tightening up. And honestly, Carrie Lake has really like captured the imagination of a lot of Republicans in the state. And you may see turnout levels that are much bigger than your typical non-presidential uh, cycle. Carrie Lake is an incredibly like special, unique candidate. Like her instincts, and she's a great messenger. That's the thing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you put her in front of a camera, and she just destroys. She had destroys this, her. Opponents. She had this absolutely incredible exchange um, just the other day. Do we have that audio? You know, I, I did a little. Actually, Anthony. Anthony, how old are you? Twenty. Are you a journalist? No. Well, you did better research than half these people. <laughs> election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh, wow, look at this. This is from this is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that. Is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. Wow. I love it. That's how you do it. Just throw it right back That's in their face. how you do it. You got to throw it right back in their face. And yeah, Stacey Abrams running for governor again. Somebody who said that, you know, the, there's going to be voter suppression if they pass this election reform bill in Georgia, that the election was stolen from her, never conceded. And now finally we have candidates like Carrie Lake who are going to push back on all this, all this yep. nonsense yep. and take all the words that these journalists wrote, breathless reporting about how, you know, oh gosh, it's going to Biden says it's Jim Crow 2.0. Yep. You know, it's okay when Stacey Abrams doesn't concede her election in, in 2018 and throw it right back in their face live on camera. Carrie Lake can do that. And, and and so well. Because, like, I loved that she's got a wall of journalists in front of her. Yeah. And she's 
power dunking on them with their own words. Because the thing is that, like, to me, the most central point of, of the left right now is hypocrisy, right? And when you, you completely just reveal that to everybody, that's how you know you're winning. And, 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 and the hot streak that she's on, like, the polling keeps going up and up. That's a hell of a candidate. There's there's some weird things happening in in Arizona right now though I yeah we, this, we we should definitely bring this up this AP story is just wild yeah. it says uh, from the article a voter registration error caused up to six thousand Arizona voters to get a mail ballot with only federal races Secretary of State Katie Hobbs said okay. Tuesday let and me now I've heard ten thousand Secretary of State yeah. and yep. candidate for governor right exactly <laughs> let me stop you right there yep because Katie Hobbs the woman who's running against Carrie Lake yeah. is in charge of both printing and counting the ballots for her own election. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. Can you can you imagine? It's like letting an umpire throw pitches. Yeah, yeah. it's that's like that's exactly it. It's like oh man, this guy's guy's nothing but strikes from that guy. Wow. So uh, from the article, it says. According to the AP, when people register to vote in Arizona or update their registration, election system queries driver's license records to verify whether the person has proven their citizenship. Oh, wow. Look, it's possible. Uh, Those who don't have citizenship documentation on file are not eligible to vote in state elections and are registered as federal-only voters. How insane is that? How insane is that? So non-voters can vote in federal elections since when? They're like, wait a minute, you don't have any documentation that you're a citizen. How about we just register to vote? We'll still send you you a ballot for just the federal elections. (laughs) What? It doesn't make any sense. Well... Uh, it makes zero sense. Well, here, unless you're a Democrat and you're trying to get more votes. Unless you're Hobbs running for, for office. It says here, um, federal-only voters have been a subject of political wrangling. Yeah, I'm sure. No shit. Since the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 2013 that Arizona cannot require documentary proof of citizenship for people to vote in national elections. What? Maybe we need to bring that case right back. That is <laughs> wild. I think the court is in a better position to be a constitutional body today than they were in 2013. So, so you're telling me that if you can't prove your citizenship in this in this database, they'll still send you a federal only ballot. Not they. So you can vote for Mark Katie Kelly. Hobbs. Not they. That's Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs will current send candidate. You That's a ballot. just incredible. Incredible. Uh, well, we got to stay on that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, uh, guys, it's not going to be a shock to you or to the listeners of the Variety program, but the Dems are in disarray. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to use oh, no, yeah. Duncan line. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm driving the train today, so you guys got to say, oh, no. Um, this is from The Hill. Democrats worry they peak too soon ahead of oh, midterms. Oh, no. <laughs> um, from the article, uh, Democrats have cause for concern that they're fading at a bad time ahead of the midterm elections after a summer surge fostered optimism that the party could buck historic trends and retain control of congress a new york times siena college poll i saw this i loved it yep. released monday um found republicans held a 49 45 lead over democrats in the generic ballot roughly one month before november's elections this represents a shift in september when the same poll found Democrats leading Republicans by one percentage point. And we told we told all our listeners that, like, remember, like, number one, the, the generic ballot will always be against Republicans. Yes. To begin with. Yeah, yeah. A, de- a generic ballot that shows Democrats winning by two or three is actually a ballot that huge, favors us. Huge, huge win. Um, number two, we told you, like, 
don't take the bait. This was a summer of bait, of, yeah. of, of voters not paying attention. We're in the fall now. It's very clear. Anyone who walks outside, it's very clear. It's fall now. Oh, you love it. I got my my tactical vest That's on right, right now. It, all three are vested up. Oh, wow. Um, but, but voters are now, the, the kids are in school. They're paying attention to the issues. Yep. They go to the grocery store. They go to the gas station. And they're like, what the hell? Yeah, everybody came back from vacation. and Inflation was just as bad as it was when they left. So, you know, no surprise there. We've been telling it to you since August. Um, more from the article here. Uh, multiple summer polls had shown Democrats either even with Republicans are leading. On August 17th, political morning console poll showed Democrats leading by four percentage points. However, it's changed. And, and, and I'll mm. say there's one good thing about that is I think a lot of Democrats saw that kind of like August, September polling and started going off the reservation with their messages. Yeah. We're like... They're talking about bonkers yeah. shit. Take the mask off. Yeah. That, like, <laughs> no voter care. Like, Stacey Abrams is like, listen, inflation's high. Kill your kids. Yeah. Oh, no, like, we didn't, even, we didn't <laughs> even get into that yet. Very clearly. Just straight up. Is, is not looking at what issues matter to voters. Straight. And is just like, huh. The August poll said I can be crazy. Straight up. Straight, <laughs> straight up uh, abortion as inflation control. It's insane. Like, that's the thing. Margaret it's, Sanger would be proud. And, and, and Republican candidates, meanwhile, have been, like, very smart. you got to stick to talking about the economy, inflation, and crime, because these are the issues that voters care about. So, to your point, the media, and everybody listening to this show knows, the media does not hold Democrats accountable. It's axiomatic. True. True. We know this. When Democrats are in charge, the media says, good job, guys. Let's focus on the Republicans again. The media will never hold Democrats accountable. The only way to hold a Democrat accountable is at the ballot box. That's true. That's it. That's only the only way. We, As conservatives, we only have one day that we hold the media, the Dems, all of them accountable, and that's Election Day. And that's like right. that's why I really feel like this is this is beyond a critical election. Like I know Dems like to push the idea to 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 their voters being like this is the most important election of our lives because they have to use this crazy language to goad their people to vote for for the awful policies yeah. that we're all living through. No. Nope. But for, for conservatives it's become crystal clear that like when Democrats control the White House, the Senate and the House it's become a living nightmare. Yeah, you got to vote. You got to vote. In fact, in a lot of states, early voting is underway, in-person early voting. So go, you know, vote early. Tell your family to vote early. Yeah. Bring a friend. Tell go in friends. there. That's the thing is like make a plan to vote. You'll like, feel so much better. I, I I love nothing more than voting in the Virginia gubernatorial race last year. It was like your first, great. your first opportunity to, to tell these people that they were terrible. Yeah. And it worked. It worked. And you get that opportunity now. Um. Okay, we got to get to some animal news. Yes, this was this was insane. This is grizzly wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know where McDaniel finds this stuff. It's this website, CowboyStateDaily.com. Yeah, shout out to him for having this on his like Google alerts for I guess animal fighting. Yeah, Wy Wyoming hero college wrestler jumps on grizzly to save friend. I want to wow. I, I want to read this article because what this a is, hero! This is wild. It says Kendall Cummings could feel the grizzly bear's jaws tearing through flesh down to his skull but the adrenaline coursing through his body made it a painless sensation quote i could hear when his teeth would hit my skull Ugh. i could feel when he'd bite down on my bones and they'd kind of crunch cummings told cowboy state daily cummings and his wrestling teammate at northwest college in powell shout out to that team yeah because 
Clearly, you can find damn grizzly bears. Uh, Brad Lowry were attacked by a grizzly bear Saturday afternoon outside of Cody. As they were traveling down the mountain, the bear emerged without warning, charging Lowry before he could engage his bear spray. Uh, and here's another thing. is like, I don't know about going to places that you're told to carry bear spray. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. We'll continue. But like, <laughs> I don't know about that. This is the bear first attacked Lowry, but Cummings, an Evanston native, jumped into action to pull him off, which is just like... That's brotherhood, dude. Yeah, dude, that is, it is. It's brotherhood. Because like, if if a bear's hitting your dude, and 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 your and your first instinct is not like time to roll, like bounce, I'm out of here. It's like I'm gonna jump the grizzly bear. Yeah, but it also gives you just a little bit of faith that at some point in the next fifty years, the Chinese or the Russians roll up on our shores, we have some people who are ready to. Jump. Yeah, <laughs> some. I people mean, if he'll fight a damn grizzly bear. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's, it's, if you if you fight if you can beat a grizzly bear, you can take a Russian. The, the story gets even crazier. It says tackling him at full force, the bear knocked Larry off the small ledge he was standing on. At first, Cummings tried to get the bear off Larry by yelling and throwing objects at it, which is my approach. I think like yeah, that, from a distance because I thought like, <laughs> like I mean, but like come on, yeah, man, like yeah. brotherhood matters, and I would try to help. But it's like if you're throwing rocks and shit from a distance you've like you've done your job yeah. above and beyond there's a grizzly bear here at this point um when this didn't work he physically tried to pull the bear off his friend grabbing it by an ear quote i grabbed and yanked him hard by the ear said cummings a sophomore i mean these are kids wow uh, Cummings successfully got the bear's attention when it was clear the grizzly had gone he yanked the bear off him mm. When it was clear the grizzly had gone, Cummings said he got up and rejoined Larry. The blooded men then began their long trek down the mountain. There better be like the best bar in the country waiting for yeah, us. Yeah, these guys should never buy a drink again. Five miles away from five, uh, five miles. Five, they rolled five miles. Bloody after fighting a bear. My God, it's Heroes. like the movie. Have you seen the movie The Revenant? Yeah, yeah that, that, it's Revenant IRL. Um, Cummings received sixty staples in his head and plastic surgery to address major lacerations to his face, major lacerations to his left arm and leg that doctors had to suture up and stitches on his right hand and right leg. says Larry was scheduled to be released from the hospital on Monday while Cummings expected to be released later this week. I mean, that's just like dudes being guys. Yeah. Huge. Dudes rock. Your bro's getting hit by a grizzly bear, and you're like, time to roll. Amazing. This is a story about heroes. It is. It Uh, is. As an aside, I I mentioned this to McDaniel when we were putting the doc together for today. Did you guys see this video that went viral on Twitter of this hiker? And and now I know it was in Japan, apparently. He was just like, you know, he he had his GoPro. I did see this. He's on the side of the mountain, and a black bear's coming up on him. A bear rolled up. Yeah. And, and so like he's climbing he this mountain do. with this like GoPro and yeah. it was like a normal like hiking video he would yeah. shoot. Yeah. And then uh, he looks to the left and it's like black bear rolls up and his first instinct as the bear like pounces was to, like hit the bear and throw him down. <laughs> wow. It was it was an incredible it was video. Insane. I encourage every anybody who's listening who has not seen this video and I feel confident that most of our listeners actually have. Yeah. Uh but Go on, go on YouTube you and, need to and, check and, this and, out. and bear fights hiker. Like, he fights this bear while he's hiking. It was the most insane thing because, like, to me, like, I think I can understand bears more from this video because this bear rolls up thinking he's, like, the boss, and this hiker, like, throws him off the mountain, and the bear is instantly like, wow, I got fucking owned. And then the bear came back. <laughs> he tried. And the, guy, the kid and the dude kicks him. him in the face a few times, Falls and the bear's like, 
Dude, I've been owned. Hopefully no one will see this online. He tries to bounce. Everyone saw a bear. Terrible news for you. We need we need we need more of this news in our society. Yeah. We need more of what we <laughs> more, just discussed. More bear fighting, hundred percent. Dude, because people we need we need we need news. I'm I'm sorry, Michael. Michael Michael wants to get to the next topic, but what I want to say is that like the Today Show in a former iteration of our society would have put this guy front and totally. center. Totally. But Absolutely today true. the Today Show is like, oh, the real heroes are the people who are pushing inappropriate books in preschool libraries. That's it. That's it. You know, like we how about a, a guy how about who somebody who's bear fighters? That's exactly right. <laughs> It is a story. It is a story of heroes, Ashbrook. But we have to get it to a story about villains, and that is the rise of quote pink slime journalism. This is huge. This is important. We've talked about this a little bit on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, real OG listeners of the Variety program will know about episodes that we did where we covered Arabella Advisors, correct Courier Newsroom. Yep. Um, this web of dark money left wing organizations that mm-hmm. fund fake news on the internet. Um, and here is an example of it from the gazette.com. It looks pretty normal, like just another local news website. A story about the Colorado River being stretched beyond its limits. Best restaurants to support during National Hispanic Month. A feature on Colorado's nation-leading rebate program for e-bikes. But milehighsentinel.com is not normal. It is staffed by writers for a D.C.-based media operation run by prominent Democratic operatives, Hmm. one of more than 50 sites disguised as local media outlets that are actually publishing Democrat-aligned content in midterm battleground states like Colorado. That's literal fake news. The Dems are trying to trick people into thinking this is a new I thought this is what Russia did in 2016, and it's the reason Hillary Clinton lost, and we had to change the entire internet because Hillary Clinton lost an election. But apparently it's okay if libs do it well that's the thing that's a whole like foundation on the left-wing dark money which like left-wing dark money is such a massive problem in this country and the amount that they spend i mean just overshadows republican spending it's it's by orders of magnitude and you see because it's coming from foreign sources like hans jörg viss in switzerland a swiss billionaire swiss billionaire is funding these kind of operations through arabella who's who's basically like the nerve center and they don't want anyone to know their name. Arabella Advisors. Everyone know that name. They don't well, want well, anyone to know that this nerve center for left-wing dark money just pushes cash out to causes like this, which is a fake, a literally, uh, it's a literal fake news operation. Let, let me put a little more. Would co- you also call this foreign influence over our elections? 100%. I, I've not seen that written anywhere in a while. And it should be. I want to put a little more color on this so people get an, an idea of, of how this works. One of the stories is more from the article in Mile High Sentinel, for example, is titled Colorado is benefiting from President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure legislation. <laughs> the guy the guy from the Gazette who wrote this says, I looked up the writer uh, on Google and, and only then did I discover that he is a digital writer for the American Independent, which uh, if you guys have been on the Internet you know, on, on, on political Twitter, you know, it's it's a fake news yep. liberal website. Um, the American Independence Monthly Reach is reported to be $140 million across platforms. The American Independent was launched by Democratic operative and fundraiser David Brock, hmm. who okay. also founded the left-leaning media watchdog Media Matters for America. There's a fitting name for this, pink slime journalism. And that's the thing, is... is this is the true fake news problem. Right. This is 
so and it's even more brilliant that this is coming from the gazette which is a paper in, in colorado which has been around for the 1800s has won Pulitzer's, and like they're like shocked and offended because what democrats are trying to do is like it, this left-wing dark money nexus they're trying to take over uh by creating these fake news websites like a google search like if yeah. someone in colorado were to do a google search on candidates that they they're thinking who do i want to vote for yeah well, it's being optimized by David Brock and his fake news operations. Yep. So, like, the first news you, website you show up to is a fake news website that him and his operatives run that's pushing these left-wing points. It's so the Mile High Sentinel, though. It's got to be a local news site when I'm just That's the thing. It's like, yeah. And it's built specifically to, to lie. To deceive. Trick, to, off, so, yeah. to deceive. So, 100%. what you guys are describing here with the Mile High Sentinel and others are, are, are digital um, publications. The Washington Post not exactly a noted conservative outlet, also ran a story about this. I don't know if you guys saw what it. It was, it was Sunday it? morning. It hmm. was on the front page of the paper. Wow. Top of the fold or above the fold. Uh, and they, they wrote about these liberal newspapers that are mailed to people's mailboxes. So it, it shows up in your mailbox. It looks like a newspaper. It's funded by some you know, foreign billionaire who's like trying to influence voice, American yeah. elections. And and what, if you're in Pennsylvania, the, the paper's called the Pennsylvania Independent. And the headline is, GOP election deniers take center stage. <laughs> and then they have October crossword inside. Yeah, right. And if you, in Michigan, Whitmer brings tech investment home to Michigan from the Michigan Independent. Crossword inside. And in Wisconsin, Ron Johnson made millions from China Connection. This is just; these are just. It's being just sent their, to their mailboxes. To their mailboxes. So, so what? The, what the what the foreign funded left is doing to Correct. misinform the American people doesn't stop online. It's going to mailboxes of P, of retirees and boomers who don't spend as much time online as others. That's horrendous, and, and, and it's horrific. And and I think that uh, what's important is you mentioned they have like a crossword puzzle. Yeah, because they they're trying want to trick you, you to think they're trying to trick you. They to want you to think it's real. We're a legit paper, right? They want you to think it, they, it's they, they want you to think this is not this is not like laundered foreign money. Well, that's influencing our and that's why I love the name pink slime journalism because where that comes from is you remember when there was that expose on the pink slime meat yeah. that was going into fast food hamburgers. Yeah. yeah. That's what this is. It's fake news that they have basically, you know, turned into They're just a hamburger. Tricking people into and, consuming right. this bullshit. Here's the, here's the thing: we have a, we're Republicans. We have our beefs with the mainstream media. We know they're against us. Our voters know they're against us. Uh, reporter, the reporters there are doing their best. Their editors are often more biased than than they themselves are. But uh, we know what we're working with, right? It it, it is not it is not entirely. The, I mean, these are the newspapers in this country, in the mainstream press, are staffed by American people, mm -hmm. right? You know, who just see the world differently than we do. Yeah. We are talking about organizations that are funded by foreign money, right? To yep. change the shape of this country for their own benefit. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, you have these folks, like I've mentioned multiple times on the show, like Hans Jörg Wiss. This, it's a Swiss national, he's a billionaire in Switzerland who sends money to these left-wing dark money groups to fund projects like this to interfere in elections. And this is, the, the thing is like, our readers, our listeners may not know this. Journalists know this and refuse to report on it. It's incredible. Incredible. 
Oh, it's incredible stuff. Uh, but we got to get to this interview. Here's Tudor Dixon running for governor in Michigan. I want to welcome to the program Tudor Dixon. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Well, so you come highly requested. Um, a lot of listeners of the show were in our mentions on Twitter saying, you got to get Tudor Dixon on. You got to get Tudor Dixon on. So here you are. Well, that's wonderful. That's good to hear. And that means that we have a good following and we're doing something right in Michigan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you've got an incredible background. Um, you know, you've been involved in the steel industry up there in Michigan. Uh, you're a breast cancer survivor. I want to talk to you about that as well. Um, but what, you know, what got you into politics? You know, why now? Why this race? Well, when I left manufacturing, I went into the media to to try to make sure that our youngest people were able to hear non-biased news, that they were able to hear the truth and, and also learn to try to seek the truth on their own. And that kind of morphed into being in the media and then talking to congressmen and senators and saying, what can we do that's bigger than just talking about it? What can we do to actually affect change? And that looks like running for governor. And so here we are. Wow, that's great. That's great. So, you know, obviously the issue of inflation is front of mind for most most voters around the country. I, I'm sure you hear that on the ground in Michigan when you're meeting with folks. As someone who comes from the manufacturing industry, you know, talking to those folks, you know, what are the concerns that you hear from them? Well, energy, first and foremost, in in the state of Michigan, and you've seen this with other big manufacturers leaving the state of Michigan, and one of their big complaints is the cost of energy and the concern that you have a governor who is going to go to the woke left on energy like Gavin Newsom, start banning gas-powered cars, but we already know that she's trying to shut down a pipeline in the state of Michigan. So shutting down that pipeline would increase the cost of inflation, it would increase people's gas prices, it would increase the cost to, to heat your home, it would increase the cost of airline tickets in and out of the state. So people are very concerned when it comes to the rising costs about what's going to happen with energy, especially in the manufacturing world. Manufacturers are saying, we get our, our prices, our rates hiked with no warning in the state of Michigan. And we're constantly on this, the edge of our seat wondering, will the governor pass a new radical climate plan? Will the governor shut down the pipeline? Will the governor continue to allow gas prices to go higher and higher with no re- relief in sight, even though we're in a state right now where she could offer tax relief? She's been given the opportunity to offer people tax relief. She ran saying she wouldn't increase taxes. But time and time again, this governor has tried to increase taxes, and when she's been given the opportunity to provide relief to the people of Michigan, she vetoes that every single time. Wow. Yeah, you know, I've got some family up there in Michigan, in the Romeo area. Shout out to the Michigan Duncans. Um, But, you know, I I hear from them, you know, you add in stuff like that with, like you were saying, with energy or with taxes. And then, you know, the history of what Gretchen Whitmer did in covid and people are just upset you know they're i feel like they're tired of the business as usual and they're also tired of gretchen whitmer sort of pandering to this far left you know wing of her party you know do you get a sense that that that's what you're hearing from voters on the ground 
Absolutely. And it's interesting in Michigan because this governor has a massive, Gretchen Whitmer has a massive war chest. She has a massive war chest from California and New York. And in Michigan, we would love as as the conservative going up against her would love to have a massive war chest. So I call out to your listeners who are listening right now, help us out, go to tutordixon.com, $10, $20. We need to defeat her because she is not listening to people. Exactly what you're saying. We need to defeat her because we have people that are saying, gosh, you had the chance to listen to restaurants when we begged you to let us open. And now we've lost 3000 and you go to communities across the state of Michigan and every other storefront is closed. She had the opportunity to help small businesses with taxes during the pandemic. She vetoed that. And now small businesses, we've lost more than any other state other than New York. We're tied with New York. We don't really want to be tied with New York and California for things when it comes to the political world. But here we are. We're tied for, for that. We're tied for energy policies. You look at this governor, she is focused on just very radical policies, but you've got parents going to her and saying every other state that has a critical situation in education is doing something right now when it comes to tutoring, is trying to get the kids back on track. What is Gretchen Whitmer doing? Absolutely nothing. It, it is these woke policies that she is bringing to the state, totally focused on that. She's been hiding like Biden. You haven't seen her. When she was running to be vice president, she was on every major news station. But where is she now? She's nowhere to be found because she's found that it's easier to be quiet and just have the, the money come in from New York and California and see if she can outspend us. But you know what? Even with less money, we are still getting our message out. And our message is a lot a lot more um a lot easier to to listen to and it's exactly what the people of michigan need they want to make sure that they're going to have schools that are going to be improved and teach their kids the basics of reading writing and math they want to make sure they have safe communities and someone who's going to invest in the police and they want to make sure that businesses and job creators can thrive in the state of michigan and that's reducing regulation and energy costs and making sure that the the state is competitive moving forward yeah, and clearly that message is resonating because I saw RCP uh, move this race to a toss-up. She's not going to be able to hide forever because because your message is clearly resonating with the voters of Michigan. So you touched on it a little bit there, and I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more about it. Education. You know, you have some background in this area. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what what's going on with education in Michigan and, and how are you seeing voters react to what to what happened post COVID? Well, there's a few different things happening in education. First and foremost, we were 38th in the nation before COVID, which wasn't great. We already knew we had a slow moving crisis in education in the state. That slow moving crisis was all of a sudden a full blown crisis after COVID when we had kids kept out of school for almost two years. So now we have a situation where the basics are just gone. The, the learning loss is intense in the state of Michigan. When you look at our third grade reading tests from the, the spring, we had nearly 60% of our students fail across the board. So we have to get our kids back on track. That first and foremost, but then secondary, you see this woke teaching coming in. Our Department of Ed had recently one of their trainings was exposed online and turns out they're going to students or they're going to teachers and they're telling them when kids come into the classroom ask them their gender ask them their pronouns ask them what name they want to be tell them that they can have a different identity at school and we won't tell mom and dad and so much so we won't tell mom and dad that even if they are 
have suicidal tendencies or the potential to harm someone else, don't tell, don't go to mom and dad and explain what's going on with the student in the classroom. Parents are outraged to think that they are considered second-class citizens when it comes to their own children, that they're not going to be a part of the conversation anymore. And we've come out and said, this will not happen in a Dixon administration. We would never allow this to happen. And we've asked Gretchen Whitmer, where do you stand? Nothing. We're also seeing across the state some of these pornographic books in our schools and talking about this is not, we need to get back to the basics. We need to make sure that parents are aware if these books are in the classroom. And Gretchen Whitmer, again, totally silent on this, but we're even seeing independents and Democrats step up and say, we are done with this stuff in our classrooms. We want to get back to reading, writing, math, and teach true civics. Stop teaching this radical sex and gender theory. Absolutely. Amen. And I mean, like you were saying, uh, coming out of COVID, you've seen math scores in the toilets. You've seen reading, writing in the toilet. It's 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 just it's unconscionable that 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 you know post COVID, you know these teachers unions and you know Gretchen Whitmer would be pushing all this radical gender identity theory in our schools when we have so much work to to get back to in schools. It's just absolutely insane. Right. Exactly. That's where we see historical Democrats coming out and saying, well, where are you on this? When are you going to stop this from happening? And like I said, she's been very quiet since she didn't make it as vice president of the United States and believes that being quiet is the answer to moving forward because if you don't say anything, then you can't screw it up, the Joe Biden theory. But we know she's nervous because she's bringing in Barack Obama. Now we're hearing Bernie Sanders is coming to the state. Bernie Sanders is obviously bringing that far progressive left message into the state. And really, it is a we have a red legislature. It is a very purple state. And I just believe that that's the wrong message. But I will let her continue with the wrong message while we meet parents where they are, where where we meet communities that are struggling with safety where they are and tell them that we will help them improve. We just recently got the report that we have four of the 20 most dangerous cities in America in the state of Michigan. That's not a great record. We've got to make sure that we are supporting our police officers and getting more police officers on the streets to keep our community safe and make sure our kids can even get to school safely. And then again, businesses are feeling like they are left in the dark and here she is coming out and saying, oh, we're investing $715 million into a Chinese corporation to bring them to the state of Michigan. After we watched Ford build elsewhere, after we've watched GM build elsewhere, when we've been trying to get some of these American companies to come into the state of Michigan, instead, we're going to give a company money who has direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party. That's the economic development plan of Gretchen Whitmer, and that's bad for Michigan. Man, yeah, absolutely, 100%. So it's October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You're a survivor of breast cancer. You know, I read from your bio that, that you know, you had become a mom and were diagnosed with bre- breast cancer. You know, what was that experience like and overcoming it like? You know, I my girls were, at the time, uh, my oldest was six. I had a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and two two-year-olds. I had twin two-year-olds at the time, and um, that's shocking. You hear those words, and then it's kind of like all you hear after that is like the Charlie Brown teacher, you know? And you, yeah. out and you say, I have no idea what that doctor just said to me, and you're thinking, 
all of the worst case scenarios. But when I pulled out, I remember getting teary and thinking what's going to happen and just having this overwhelming sense, you know, we walk this journey and we get through it. And I walked the journey and went to, had great doctors, amazing doctors, and and went through to a a few different places. And and I want people to know if you're going through this and you feel like you didn't get the message that you wanted from that first doctor, go to several different doctors because that's one of the beauties that we have here in this country is that you can get a second opinion and you should because I did that and I was able to find a doctor who I could tell was just very sympathetic, understood my needs, wanted to make sure that I got the best possible care and then three years later, even though that doctor sees people come in and out every single day, every five minutes, he called me three years later and he said, I have a young woman in her 30s same situation that you were in I'm wondering if you can call her and walk her through what the surgery would be and that just was evidence that was just the the confirmation I needed that I had done the right thing finding that doctor because think for him to think of me all those years later and allow me to call one of his patients and talk her through what is one of the scariest times in your life when you have young little ones at home and you're facing breast cancer but really it it was um, an experience that you never forget, but it also makes you much stronger. Wow, that's just incredible. Incredible. So um, we always end an interview here on the Ruthless Variety program with three big questions that our listeners really pay attention to. And, you know, since so many of these listeners wanted you on the show, I'm sure they're going to be listening extra close. So question number one is if you could plan your last meal on earth, what would it be? So my great-grandmother used to make chicken and noodles, and it was divine. And she would always have a red velvet cake at the end of it. And if I could have my whole family with me and we would eat that together, that would be the best thing I can think of. Wow, that does sound good. Red velvet cake, huh? Yes. Oh, yes. It's very special frosting. Not cream cheese frosting. Very special frosting. It has to be the special frosting, too. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> so question number two, um, you know, if you if you didn't get involved in, in politics, uh, you know, blue sky, whatever you could think could be any wild dream that you might have had, um, you know, what would you be doing with your life? You know, I would probably be back in manufacturing, trying to get other young people involved in manufacturing. When I was in in the steel foundry, I was awarded um, metal casting future leader. And at the time, I, I think it was just so valuable to be able to create something, build something out of nothing. I mean, you're the ultimate recycler, right? You're bringing in met just jagged pieces of metal, melting it down and creating a product out of it. And then seeing that in the world impact life, it, making caterpillar tractors, making mining equipment, making the farming equipment and going back to that and just showing young people how incredible it is to be a part of something that moves the world forward. It, it that would be, that would probably be where I am. Awesome. Where it would be. And getting to do it here in America on top of that. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so last big question, um, and this is sort of a psychological question. Um, you know, what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And the thrill of victory, obviously, is sort of an optimist, person who looks at the world, you know, glass glass half full, um, or the agony of defeat, sort of like Michael Jordan. You know, you're sort of motivated by your failures, and what motivates you to succeed is, 
you know, the fear that you would ever have one of those defeats again. So what motivates you more, Tudor Dixon, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? Gosh, in this race, really the agony of defeat because of the people that I've met along the way and the people that I think about before I go to sleep at night and think that person really needs to see hope in this state because Michigan is different, like I said, different than other states right now. There are whole communities that have just been decimated by what the policies were in the state. Businesses closed, the sense of community gone. There's no place to go gather together to have coffee anymore. The restaurants are closed down. The people that have come to me, and one woman in particular, we went to a coffee shop and she walked up to me and and said, may I take your hands? And I said, yes, and she burst into tears and said, please bring us back, please save us from this. And those are the people that I think of every single night and think, I just don't want to let them down. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. Well, I hope you get there. Again, the race is now a toss-up. Gretchen Whitmer is not going to be able to hide. She's going to have to come out from the basement and face you at some point. For our listeners, please go to TudorDixon.com, donate, volunteer, help. She needs your help. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Dude, she is a she is a very exciting candidate. Yeah, yeah. she is, and she's like right on message. You know, she um, and running against a terrible governor, terrible, <laughs> absolutely horrible governor. Terrible. She's got great experience. Breast cancer survivor, absolutely incredible. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You know, um, and that's obviously important. Get checked if it's you're of age to get checked for breast cancer. It's important. And also, like, a much-requested interview, like, the grassroots support for Tudor Dixon. Folks, get out there and vote. I think that's what this yep. comes down to. Yeah, yep. no, no, no. They, what is it that you always say, Smug? That's right. It's The red wave is not something that's just happening. It's something we're doing. So, folks, if you're listening to this show, get out there, volunteer, donate, get involved. We're in the, we're in the closing window. Yes. It's very critical. We're so close. So, until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. Dude, that's fucking gold.